You're not there yet? No. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm going to speak very honestly about my own struggles with Hebrews 11.1. 1. Because, you know, we, we wrap so much of what we think and do and feel and believe as Christians in this word faith, right? We say, we even call Christianity the faith. You know, I'm growing in my faith. I I'm, 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 have a deeper understanding of my faith. Or, or I'm walking in the faith. Or I have faith. And so this question for me as a teenager kept coming out. Was, what is faith? Is it, is it just trusting? Is it believing? What, you know, um, James says that there's some kind of works associated with faith. You know, there, there's, there's all of this talk about faith. So what I want to do, and I'm not going to answer all the questions about faith. I just can't. But what I want to do is I want us to look at Hebrews 11.1 1, and I want us to break down that one verse, okay? And I want us to talk about faith tonight. So let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Everybody know what faith is, right? You've got it. Concept, you understand it, you can go out here and you can teach it, right? You could share your faith with people, right? So let's look at it, because you're, you're exactly where I was at your age and then many years even after that, and so... Looking at this verse of, of what is meant to explain what faith is, you're going to need some help, which is, which is what, what um, some people call, let the Bible interpret itself. So we're going to look at a lot of other verses to help us understand what this faith thing is. Okay, because if you just get stuck in studying your Bible, reading your Bible, and you try, to, you try to know everything there is about faith from reading one verse, or everything there is to know about love by reading one verse, or everything there is to know about um, peace by reading one verse, then, then you're going to get a very small scope of what, that actually, uh, what the Bible actually says about those things. So, we're not going to cover every verse that talks about faith tonight, but I suspect that we'll probably talk about faith again, and I'll use other verses to help you along the way. But tonight, what I want to do is I want us to answer these questions that were on your throwaway. Everybody got your throwaway? Everybody got it? Give you a little outline of where we're going. The first question on your throwaway is, what is the hope of Christianity? Because when we talk about faith, our, our faith is what what cements us in Christianity. You know, our faith is different than other faiths, and we use this word faith. But then whenever we look at, at the biblical verse that we always go to for faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. So what is this hope? We read in Romans where it says, Hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out on us. You know, what, what is this hope? So let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's, let's jump over and let's read 1 John. 1 John 2, 28 
And we're just going to read a few verses there. We're not going to go all the way to 3-3, but I put that on your throwaway so that hopefully you don't throw this away and you take it home. And you tonight, maybe as, as you're going to bed, laying down, getting settled down, you'll look at these verses and, and, and kind of dig into more of these, these verses for, for a deeper answer than what I'm going to be able to give you tonight. And so Romans, uh, I'm sorry, 1 John 2, starting in verse 28. 28. So now little children... Remain in Him so that when He appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know we are God's children now and, or I'm sorry, the reason that the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Verse 2, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as he is pure. So there in 1 John, we see this, this everyone who has this hope. And it talks about everything before that, including in being included in this hope. So let's look at, at the hope of Christianity as, as 1 John, and, and there's other verses that give us this hope. Guys, listen, the hope of Christianity is that we will be like Christ. That is the hope of Christianity. Okay? The hope of Christianity is not the same as the benefits of Christianity. We all know the benefits well, don't we? In fact, they're in, this, in these verses, in this, this section of, of, of Bible talking about being children of God. It talks about how we have security in Him. That's definitely part of Christianity. It talks about our boldness. We can stand and, and be bold before God because we have, we have self-esteem in God because He has made us righteous. We have no shame before God if we are His children. We, we have righteousness imputed. We talked about that um, how, how at, at D now, how Christ actually gives us His righteousness, credits us with His righteousness. We have the love of a Father who, who, who is, is deeply in love with each and every one of us. We have been adopted as children into His family, and He has given us the revelation of who He is and who we are supposed to become. But guys, these things right here are not the hope of Christianity. The hope is not what Christ has given you, because because if you are in Christ, He's already given you all of these things. You don't hope for what you already have. Right? I don't go home and say, I really hope I got a Jeep today. I already have a Jeep. You hope for what is to come. And we are too easily distracted by the benefits because they are in and of themselves complete miracles. They're like completely miraculous that God would adopt us. God would love us. God would give us righteous standing before Him. God would give us boldness and He would take away our shame. And all of that is amazing and wonderful and true. But that's not the hope of what we're pressing on toward. Those things have been given. The Bible says that we stand in the fullness of His grace. We, we have been we have been 
just poured upon with His blessings already. So what is the hope of Christianity? The hope, listen to this. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We don't know it fully, but we're becoming something. We know that when He appears, when Christ appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. So the hope is that we will one day be like Jesus. Okay, so that's the hope of Christianity. Are you guys all with me? This nod for yes, no for say it all again, please slower. No nod or no shakes, all nods. Okay, you just want me to move on? Here we go. How is this hope grounded in reality? Because Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith, this thing that we're talking about, is the reality of what is hoped for. So our faith has to be grounded in some sort of reality, right? That hope, in fact, has to be grounded in some kind of reality. Let's, let's look at this. 1 John 2.6. Staying right there with 1 John 2.6. The hope grounded in reality. 1 John 2.6. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Okay? Guys, let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says... Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And then if you guys read through this, this uh, uh, John 14, 15, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, and Luke 6, 46, this is, this is how this hope is grounded in reality, is that we actually become like Christ by knowing Him and doing what He did. That's how we bring our faith into reality. That's what James was talking about, wasn't it? He says, show me your faith without works and I'll show you a faith that doesn't mean anything. Show me a faith that is backed up and supported by, by actions that can be observed and can be experienced in the real world. Take your, take your, 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 your faith out of this intellectual, I know what is right and actually do what is right. I'll show you a faith that can save you. That's what James says. And so the idea is to become like Christ. Well, how do we become like Christ? How do we, how do we bring this hope of being like Christ into reality? It's, it's by knowing Him and doing what He did. Knowing Him, just doing what He did and not knowing Christ will not make you like Him. Knowing what He did, or doing what He did, I'm sorry. Doing what He did, but not knowing Him will not make you like Him. Doing what He did, but not knowing Christ, will not make you like Him. One side of being like Christ is to feel how He felt, think how He thought, and be motivated as He was motivated. To really know somebody is to get into their minds and to, to, to know what their heart gets excited about and to know what, what crushes their spirits and, 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 and to really know that person inside and out. Right? 
sort of be like, to, to have an, a, you know, to want to be like somebody is to do more than just try to act like them, but it's to actually know them. And, and this is, this is one, of, one of Christ's passions for you is that you would know Him. That you would know that, that he, is, he is everything in this life that you could ever imagine needing or wanting. That He is the one who satisfies. That, that we got to stop settling for counterfeit relationships, for counterfeit pleasures, for counterfeit gods that we put up on these pedestals and, and, and realize that, that to know Christ is to know satisfaction. To know Christ is to know complete love. To know Him and to understand Him is to understand who you were created to be and to be able to have this thing called self-actualization. That's what we're all after. To know why we're here and to know what, what we're supposed to do and then to do it. And, 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 and when you find your purpose in life and you're living out that purpose is when you will be the most satisfied. And your purpose in this life is simply just to know Christ. And then the other side of that coin is to do what He did. Just knowing Christ but not doing what He did will not make you like Him. So on the, the one side, okay, doing what He did but not knowing Him, it's not good enough. It's not going to make you like Him. And then on the flip side, doing what He did but not knowing Him isn't any good either. So to know Him... And to be able to do what He did requires that we spend some time with Him, doesn't it? Right? Makes sense? We have to spend time with people to get to know them. Listen to what John Piper says is the best way. Okay, The best way to do this is, is by, by spending time with Jesus in His Word. And you're like, well, I read the Bible and I don't get anything out of it. I don't understand it. I read the Bible and, and, and I get tired and my mind wanders and it's just, it doesn't, it, I just don't get it. I don't know how to read the Bible. Guys, those are all very common. Like, like you think whenever I read the Bible and I sit down and it's just like beams of glorious, intel, you know, just illumination just pouring over me as I'm, you know, like, like the clouds open up and God's Holy Spirit just comes in and burst in me with all this new revelation. No, you've got to dig into the Word. You've got to dig in and, and be determined that, that God has promised you that if you'll know His Word and hide His Word in your heart, that, that you're going to grow and you're going to learn and you're going to become just better. You're going to be able to handle life better. You're going to be able to know God better. You're going to be able to enjoy God better by spending time with Him in His Word. This is what John Piper says the gospels are better than being there we say well if we could have just seen him walk on water that would have made all the difference if we could have just been there when he fed the 5,000 that would have made all the difference if we could have just been amongst the crowd to hear him preach that sermon on the mount that would have been that would have made all the difference but he says no the gospels reading the gospels are better than being there you were taken into the inner circle of the apostolic band where you never could have gone Guys, there was only 12 that got invited into that circle. But when we read the gospel, we get invited into it. We get to be a part of conversations that he had with Peter and James and John. We get to be a part of him explaining the parables that, that if you were an outsider, if you weren't one of the 12 back then, you would have never gotten to be a part of that. 
He says, you go with him through Gethsemane and the trial and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the meeting after the resurrection. Guys, do you realize that just by reading the gospel, you get to see intimate parts of Christ's suffering and Christ's trial and Christ's crucifixion that no one else could have known? You get to hear his thoughts and you get to hear his prayers and you get to see his struggles. And you get to know him better than if you had actually been there. And then you get to go where no one else got to go. You get to go into the tomb. You get to go into his death. And you get to read where, where you know, he, he conquered death. I was reading a book by John Eldridge today where he says that in Christ's death, he walks into the pits of hell and he makes the most unimaginable beast that you could ever have a nightmare of or ever imagine in your dreams. And he makes that beast bow his knees and he takes the keys of hell and he puts it on his belt and he just simply walks out, conquering death. And we get to see this Jesus who even though he is, in, he is in physical death, spiritually he is conquering so much more than, than meets the eye if you had just simply been there. Piper goes on and he says, You hear whole sermons in long discourses, not in isolated snatches on hillsides, but in rich, God-inspired context that take you deeper than you ever could have gone as, as a perplexed peasant in Galilee. Guys, do you understand that we understand the Sermon on the Mount today better than the average Galilean peasant who would have only heard little bits and snippets because there was this great crowd and people were distracted? I mean, we get to sit down and we get to read his sermon and we get to read his explanations without interruption, without distraction. So guys, the point is, is to get to know Jesus, to, to have any hope of becoming like Jesus, is to spend time with Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have no excuse. We have none, except that we're lazy and we're weak. And we're too easily defeated by distraction. Guys, do you realize that you're bored out of your minds? You're absolutely bored out of your minds. You have access to every, every bit of information. You have access to every person almost on the planet. You have endless opportunities to entertain yourself. You have endless opportunities to occupy yourself. You have endless opportunities to connect with people 24 hours a day at, on your phone. You can see somebody in another country and talk to them on your phone. Like, see them. You know, whenever I was a kid, like, we were like, one day you're going to be able to, like, see people when you're talking to them. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be like telephone, but it's going to be like visiphone. You know, like, we sit around and we're like, like, this is going to be, you know, one our grandkids are going to ride around in hover cars. You know what I saw on my iPad? Never thought that I would have an iPad at 14 years old. I, I didn't even know what an iPad was. But, but you know what I saw? That they actually, like, hover technology is happening. Like, that's going to be a reality one day. And so we have all of these gadgets. We have all of these things. We have games and we have phones and we have Facebook and, 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 and all these other things 
and you're bored out of your minds. Because nothing sticks. Nothing satisfies. Nothing fills you with that, that, that peace like knowing Jesus does. Nothing. I'm not saying that because I get paid to. I'm not saying that because it's biblically correct. I'm saying that because I know it for a fact from experience. That nothing in this life will satisfy you like knowing Jesus and doing what He has done. So, let's move on. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. What is that? What's not seen? What, what is the proof of the invisible? What, is, what, is, what are we trying to prove? What is the not seen? Do you guys know? Anybody, anybody have any guesses? First, or I'm um, sorry, Colossians 1.15. Somebody go there. Colossians 1.15. Listen to this. The idea is to know Jesus. The idea is to be able to repeat and replicate the things that He did on this earth. And th- listen to what, what Colossians says about Jesus in, in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Guys, listen. The hope of Christianity is that we will be like Christ. We become like Christ by knowing Him and doing what He did. Faith proves who Jesus is and what He is like and what He has done. Faith proves it. We're going to talk about how it proves it in a minute. But these are the things unseen. These are the invisible things that God is and and, and what God is like and what God has done. Let's go to 1 Peter 3.12. Okay, so faith proves the unseen, the invisible, the things that we talk about and people look at and they're like, what in the world are you... I mean, I don't understand what that is, but First Peter 1, 3 through 12. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined, uh, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love Him, though you have not seen Him. And though not seeing Him, now you believe in Him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls." So, what is the invisible? 
that He is the image of? And, and what is the invisible that we prove by knowing Jesus and doing what He did? Well, here it is. We prove who God is and what He is like and what He has done. He is merciful. He has made us new. He has made us alive. He has given us an inheritance. He protects us. He is powerful. He has proven Himself through salvation. And He has given us Himself. And we prove those things through faith. We prove those things by pressing on towards the hope of being like Jesus. And we prove those things by knowing Jesus better and better and better and then doing what Jesus has done. We prove who God is. So the proof of things unseen. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. And so how does faith prove these things? How does faith prove these things? James says, Faith is proven through what we do with our lives. Guys, I'm not going to read all of this. I'm going to summarize it. I want you to go home. I want you to take uh, this throwaway. I want you to read 11, Hebrews 11, 3 through 31, and it lists a whole bunch of people from the Old Testament, okay? And, and you can go on Facebook tonight and you can skip through all the first part. But I want you to follow along with me. If you can find around minute 25 or 26 of this sermon and follow along with me. I want you to go through this list that I'm about to give you. And I want you to see how God has proven who He is through the faith of others. So here we go. Faith is proven through what we do with our lives. By faith. And this is not a list of what other people have done that we don't do. This is a list of the kind of life of faith we should be living. By faith, we understand who God is. By faith, we honor God by giving Him our best. By faith, we please God by our obedience. By faith, we take on His instruction even when they don't make sense. By faith, we leave everything we know behind even if we don't know where He is taking us. By faith, we forfeit our comfort and security. By faith, we believe that God can do the impossible. By faith, we become willing to give up the things we cherish and love the most. By faith, we bless others. We worship God. We remember our salvation. We instruct others. By faith, we choose a life of suffering with God over a life of pleasure with others. By faith, we leave our past behind. By faith, we rebel against sinful instruction. By faith, we, we protect the lives of others. By faith, we walk through impossible circumstances. By faith, we tear down walls. By faith, we care for God's people. By faith, we conquer the kingdom of sin, death, despair, and hopelessness. By faith, we bring justice to the oppressed. By faith, we, we bring about God's promises of redemption. We shut down those who would prey upon the weak. By faith, we quench the fire of hatred and racism. By faith, we experience hard-fought victories. We are strengthened in our weakness. We find might to continue fighting. We run 
We run bad teaching and false doctrines out of our churches. By faith we experience life after death. By faith we, we, we endure torture gladly knowing that it will reap us greater reward in heaven. By faith we face ridicule, beatdowns, arrests, and even death because this identifies us with Christ. All in all, living a life of faith is one where we bring the reality of who Christ is into the lives of others by how we live. Let me repeat that. Living a life of faith is one where we bring the reality of who Christ is into the lives of others by how we live ours. <coughs> the question is for everyone who says they believe in Jesus and are saved. Here's the question. I know you guys. I know that all of you raise your hand whenever that's, you know, have you given your life to the Lord? Yes, I'm a Christian. Are you living a life of faith worthy of the one who has saved you? Are you living a life of faith? Are you living a life that, that, that takes you in a direction that is uncomfortable at times, that is scary at times? Does it call you to go out of yourself to do things for others? Are you living this life of faith to where you know Jesus you know what He's about. You know what He's like. You know what He cares about. You know what He doesn't like. You know what ticks Him off. And you have similar reactions when you're faced with those things yourself. Are you proving who God is by the way you live your life? Hebrews says this, Without faith it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. Without faith. Without doing the things that Jesus has commanded His followers to do, we cannot hope to please God. The worst thing in the world for you. This is the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen to you. Is that if you end up like the millions of people who have come to church their entire lives and they have listened and they have sung and they have prayed and they have given and they have done all of the things that church people do, but they have never known Jesus. They've just been church people. And they have missed out on a life of faith because they believed that what... They believe that they could get there any other way, some other way than actually doing what Jesus has commanded you to do. Don't be one of those millions of people who spends their life in the church completely missing the life that God has called you to. It is not a small life. It is not a life of, of, of just blah. It is not a life of storing up treasures for yourself so that one day you can grow old and retire and gather seashells in Florida in your, in your 60s and 70s only to get to heaven. And when God says, what did you do with the life I gave you? You hold up your, your bucket of seashells and say, see all that I got? Aren't these cool? No. This life of faith is so much more. 
Do something with it. Get to know Jesus, and He'll tell you what to do with it. Let's pray.